Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Market this saw some mixed trade, at least on the grain side of the things. Uh, wheat numbers continue to trade onto the lower, at least in Kansas City and Minneapolis. Cattle were on the upside as well as the hogs saw some lower numbers. We're going to take a look at a variety of different factors today about what's going on. The old crop, new crop spreads, weakness that is seen maybe in this new crop corn and beans. And look at the spring weather as planting is underway in many parts of the Midwest and South. And joining us today is Arlen Suderman, Arlen with Stonex. And I wanted to start out, though, because I read your midday comments and you were talking about the core inflation uh, still being on the sticky side. I wonder if we could start kind of there and get your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. When the headline numbers came out this morning showing um, inflation at the consumer level at 5% year on year, Wall Street celebrated, and we saw stock futures uh, surge higher at that point. That enthusiasm really kind of cooled then as we went into the morning, and we actually slipped into negative territory and then kind of stabilized when they dug deeper into the report. And as you dig deeper, you find that uh, we did for the first time see a little bit of softening of inflation in the service sector. Um, but we still have significant inflation there. And if you take out the decline in energy prices that we saw during the month of March, which was pretty significant, uh, we still had some significant inflation problems. In fact, if you look at core inflation, which removes the more volatile food and energy, and we can debate whether that's appropriate or not, but I think in this case it, it tells a story. We've been stuck between 5.5 and 6.6% um, core inflation now for 16 consecutive months. So while the headline numbers have been coming down largely because of a decline in energy prices, core inflation is pretty sticky and it's largely because of wage inflation. Now we saw some data out last week to suggest that maybe we're starting to make a turn in the right direction toward easing the tight job situation in America as the economy slows down and that may start easing the wage inflation problem, but we haven't cured it yet. And this Federal Reserve has said many times, including recently, that they don't want to make the same mistake that the Fed made in 1980. For those of us old enough to remember 1980 in March of that year, the Fed felt, okay, we're inflicted enough pain on the economy and we're seeing inflation start to come down. Let's go ahead and pivot policy and start cutting rates. And when they did that, inflation got a hold and really jumped higher again. And Paul Volcker, head of the Fed at the time, really had to push interest rates up toward 22% by the end of that year to finally get inflation tackled and under control. And then they were able to start bringing things down. And they don't want to make that mistake of pivoting too soon. I do believe we've probably got at least one more 25 basis point rate hike. That will then bring the Fed uh, interest rate, their core interest rate, short-term rate, above that headlined inflation number. And that's what's been necessary every time in America's history to tame inflation. But I don't think we'll get them be pulling back later in the year is what the market thinks. I think they're going to be then holding at that level um, right on through the end of the year. So what is your thought on the, the old crop and new crop spreads that we're seeing right now? 
Yeah, quite a bit of it going on today, and I think that's a reflection of the fact that we're trading more supply and demand fundamentals. For a long time, we've been focused on the outside markets and are we heading into a recession or not heading into a recession. Uh, and uh, that has really kind of uh, put a dismal outlook on the grain and oil seeds, and we've had to work against those headwinds. But when you see the spreading going on here today, I think it reflects the tight old crop stocks that we're seeing for corn and soybeans supporting the nearby contracts but then the opening up of the weather for planting the new crop and the market obviously had been holding some support because of these forecasts for a very wet uh, midwest particularly central and eastern portions in the midwest through spring planting giving us narrow planting windows we may still have some wet times this spring but the outlook has really changed dramatically in the near term, opening things up, allowing some field work to get done. And El Nino is developing much faster than previously believed. And the stronger of an El Nino we have, the better chances we have of a favorable growing season. And in fact, a BAM weather did a pulled out analog years, other years that, you know, five or six other years. Um, that it's a very similar type of scenario to what we're in now. And the average corn yield in those years was four and a half bushels above trend line. That would be in the national average yield of 184 or so bushels per acre if, in fact, that happens. So the market's starting to recognize that and now spreading that old crop against the new crop. You know, Arlen, folks are hearing us talk about the weather, and they're like, yeah, but have you seen how dusty it is in my field? We've got areas, Nebraska's one of them, that just seems to be missing any sort of moisture that's moving through. Oh, and that really goes into uh, Nebraska and western Iowa and then points to the south where we're having the most difficulty changing things. Now, the models are starting to show some chances of, in the week two forecast of bringing moisture into that part of the country. And we hope that that's able to happen. But it seems like every time we try to pull those forecasts forward, that moisture seems to disappear. That's kind of the last leg of being able to fix things as we transition to an El Nino pattern. And it's largely because of the cool waters we still have off of the west coast of the of North America. But hopefully the models are showing that those that's going to start warming here as we go through the next month or two. And that should allow the moisture to come in. All right. Well, stick around, folks. We're going to get back. We're going to continue to talk about what's happening. Moisturize. Snow melt is definitely taking place to our neighbors to the north. But you know what that brings? That brings some flooding concerns as well. More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome to the Fontenelle Feature. I'm Joe Gangwish, FSR with Fontenelle Hybrids. We're going to visit with Bob Wiseman. He's a Fontenelle Hybrids dealer in the Hershey, Nebraska area. So, Bob, tell us what you enjoy most about working with Fontenelle Hybrids. I would say it's the relationships that we've built with our FSRs and agronomy guys. Just the knowledge that's out there and any questions, people are readily available to answer and and help you out. And being a dealer for Fontenelle, what's been the most rewarding aspect for you? Finding the products that fit a producer's needs and watching them succeed. And what makes Fontenelle stand out among other local seed brands? I would say it's probably our large selection of quality hybrids to fit all maturities and then the abundance of varieties with and without traits to fit everybody's needs. 
For more about us, you can visit Bob Wiseman there in the Hershey area, any of our Fontenelle dealers across the state of Nebraska, or go to Fontenelle.com. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here in the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation this afternoon with Arlen Suderman. Of course, Arlen is with Stonex. If you don't follow Arlen on Twitter at this point, you need to. The The amount of information that's been coming back and the conversation as well as spring planting getting underway is definitely worth your time just to click that like and follow button for him. Uh, but I wanted to bring up a, a graphic that you shared um on what's going on with the Red River because everybody knows the the moisture's got to go somewhere and we've got some flooding issues to our neighbors in both North and South Dakota at this point. Yeah, and I like to follow the the river stages on the Red River at Fargo, North Dakota. I think that's one of the more representative areas that I follow each year. And and right now it's at a little over 15 feet and, you know, it's no real concern. It's fairly normal. But things are supposed to start happening, expected to start happening very rapidly there come Friday. Water levels start rising rapidly to where by Wednesday morning or so we should be up a little over 30 feet. Now, that would rank 18th in all-time levels of the river at that point. So there's certainly been other years when we were much higher uh, expecting that we're going to probably top out late next week. That's, of course, dependent on not getting any other significant moisture between now and then that might flow into the river. So if all goes well and we melt most of the uh, snowpack here over the next 10 days up in the Dakotas, we should be able to get things dried out just from that alone in order to get crops planted if we don't have a lot of other additional moisture. But that's the concern right now is that uh, the forecast models continue to show above normal precipitation for that area of the Dakotas and Minnesota uh, for the foreseeable future. And so if that happens, that could continue to keep things wet up there and really give them some narrow windows or opportunities to get crops planted and prevent plant could be a significant issue up there again. So that's what we're keeping an eyes on because that could have an impact on total production this next year. If you think about it, and obviously not all of Minnesota, not all of the Dakotas are involved in this, but much of the most productive land of the Dakotas is uh, in western Minnesota. But if you put the Dakotas together with Minnesota, there's 20% of our intended corn acres just in those three states this year. Uh, we've really seen a northwesterly migration of the Corn Belt over the last 15 years, and those state, three states have been a big beneficiary of that. So what happens in those th- states does have a big impact on our production. What are you hearing from a winter wheat perspective as these warmer temperatures continue this week? It's not good. It's not good at all. If you look at these uh, the crop ratings we got on Monday, it showed that Kansas has the worst ratings um, nationally. We've got areas in southwest Kansas that haven't had a, a precipitation event of a tenth of an inch or more in well over 200 days. So it's been a long time, and there's not much wheat left out in that area. And each week that goes by, a larger area of the Southern Plains winter wheat belt passes the point of no return where the rains aren't going to be able to help. And if you look at the two-week outlook, unfortunately, it doesn't offer a lot 
of hope for that region. I mentioned earlier the forecast try to keep trying to put moisture in the forecast, but they just don't pull forward and and verify. And so that's going to be a real problem. We thought we had a short crop last year because of the drought. It looks like this year's is going to be much worse. And and, uh, it just continues to deteriorate week in and week out with no hope of reversing that process in sight. I imagine, based on my experience over the last 60 years, that uh, it'll turn around about the time it's too late for the wheat, uh, and that'll just promote the weeds coming in and what wheat does get saved. Switching gears here before we wrap up, want to know, do you see the producers having the leverage when it comes to this cattle market? Yeah, they definitely do. Uh, We saw on today's online exchange uh, auction that the bids in Texas were at 170 and the offers were at 174. They traded at 170 last week. So that sets the stage that once again, we're pushing prices higher. Our cash markets are ready in record territory. We knew that when we came into this year that we were going to be tightening up supplies. Uh, but it's happened much faster than what we anticipated. And part of that, a big part of that, has been the winter weather that we experienced in the northern feedlot belt. And not only did uh, that hurt cattle performance, it took some weight off. We've seen the drop in carcass weights in the north. I don't have any hard numbers for you on the tightness in the north, but it is starting to pull cattle more from the south as we're seeing that uh, really play out. All right, Arlen, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? StoneX.com or over on Twitter. My handle's Arlen, A-R-L-A-N-F-F-101. And that is today's Fontenelle final bell. As we always remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. The Fontenelle final bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network.